The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Remain standing, please, and take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Chapter 61 is where we find our text on this beautiful day. November 29th, 2015, year of our Lord. Isaiah 61, preaching a special message to you. Isaiah 61, we're going to read verse 1 through 3. I hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm sure you were quoting that scripture. If you're a glutton, put a knife to your throat. Were any of you quoting that? I remember it was a service before Thanksgiving 15 plus years ago. I was sitting with my mom and uh, the evangelist said, Now remember, if you're a glutton, put a knife to your throat. And my mom's like, oh, thanks. That's great. <laughs> it's good to have my beautiful mother here. And uh, she just moved here. I love you, mama. Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 3. Are you there? Say amen. It'll also be on the screen if you don't have it on your device or in your one of those leather-bound things called a Bible. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning. Everybody say that. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Say that one again. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Let's pray as notes are being passed out. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise You for what You did even in the first service and the freedom and the joy that we experience in worship and time of worship as we return the tithe and as we pray. And Lord, now as we look into Your ever-unfolding Word of truth, knowing that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain, will endure even forever. Lord, do what you want to do in this service. I thank you that demon powers bound. I thank you for the freedom that's found in Christ. I thank you for liberty for the captives, healing for the brokenhearted, and the oil of joy for a spirit of heaviness, Lord, that you're going to release even now. God, do what you love to do. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just go ahead and do it right now. Hallelujah. God, I may thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, we have notes. We'd encourage you to fill those in. It's a unique message, I'm told. To help you. And to not only help you, but to help you to help others. Right around this time of the year, I've found, as I've been here almost a decade, 
I've found that people have begin to have a hard time in feeling depressed and even despairing and even hopeless. And so I thought I would bring the double-edged sword today and decapitate depression and to remove hopelessness and to teach you how to overcome despair. When I first moved here, I found this cycle of depression the first few years that I was here would hit the church. And it's always right around now. And on into Christmas and then just even after Christmas. And somebody said, well, it's because of the vitamin D deficiency. And I thought, that's the biggest bunch of bunk I've ever heard. But shortly thereafter, I discovered that actually that has some truth to it. Some say, well, it's so dark and it's so cold. The truth is, having lived in Hawaii for 14 years, there's people who get depressed in Hawaii when there's seemingly endless sun and eternal spring, yet people get depressed in, in that place. Depression and despair is more than, than one's environment. Look at your notes. Depression can be caused by more than one's environment. This text is a fascinating text. It's really a, a prophetic word about the Messiah written by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus came in his first advent for which we're celebrating Christmas. Jesus is the reason for the season. His birth is about 700 years after the text that we're reading. And this, this messianic text is talking about what the Messiah would do, a prophetic word describing what the Messiah would do. And in fact, Jesus in Luke 4 quoted this very text, was handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and he read from it. And having finished reading, he said, this text is fulfilled even in your hearing. In other words, I am the fulfillment of this text, the Messiah. And as you read these just three simple verses, there is some dramatic change that takes place when the Messiah comes. And I want to look at those very quickly. Good news is proclaimed, or good tidings, as it says there in the New King James. Good news is declared or proclaimed. Good tidings is proclaimed. The brokenhearted are healed. I don't know if you ever had a broken heart, but you don't have to have one anymore. You can be healed because Jesus, when Jesus shows up, when the Messiah shows up, He heals, He frees, He restores. Those that are bound can be free. You don't have to raise your hand if you've ever been bound by addiction or bound by some kind of uh, idolatry, if you've ever been shackled or chained, but He can set you free. The truth is there's people that are in prison today, behind bars today, that are freer than some people in the, in the church because they've gotten a hold of the truth of the Word of God. God's favor and justice have come. Mornings turned into joy. And we become oaks of righteousness, as it says there in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. And it reminds me of Psalm 1, verse 3, which says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in the season. His leaves shall also not, also not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. 
That is God's plan for you. It's God's plan for you not to have a broken heart. It's God's plan for you not to be poor and broken except in spirit. It's God's plan for you not to be destitute, not to be addicted, not to be afflicted. It's God's plan, it's God's intention for you to be blessed, to have every horrible thing that ever happened to you, happened to your family, be turned for good. Come on, somebody say amen. That's God's plan. In fact, so much so that you'd be like a mighty oak tree. Like a mighty oak. I had a dream recently. I'm not allowed to share most of it, but I will share just a part of it here in the second service. I was standing in the midst of people, a cross-section of our community, people representing the whole state of Alaska, from political people to military people, law enforcement, civil servants, educators, and the poor and the broken and the down and out. There was a, a cross-section of our entire community. And as I'm standing in the midst of them, the power of the Holy Spirit falls on me. And He falls on me in kind of a way that you just wish He wouldn't do in public. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to be touched by the power of God and find yourself on the carpet. It's another thing to have that happen to be standing, you know, in Fred Myers or something. In this particular instance, as I'm standing... The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon me. I find myself on the ground in the midst of these people thinking, Really, Lord? Really? Because, you know, we like to be dignified. But the, the power of His presence doubled in that, as I was having a thought, Really, God? It doubled so much so that I didn't really care. You know, if He touches you so big, you don't really care. Other people are not an issue. You're not thinking about them because you're undone. And I was undone, and as I looked up at the sky, I saw the clouds part, and I saw like the Big Dipper, you know, the, the, the stars that are on our flag, the, the North Star. I saw in great glory the heavens open before me. And the Lord spoke to me, gave me, a, gave me a very clear word about our building, and began to show me some of what He wants to do in the state of Alaska. And, and the next moment, I saw a giant tree. And I'm talking bigger than any tree I've ever seen. And I've seen giant sequoias and redwoods. I've seen that much bigger. That with girth that is just, I mean, heaven size. Rise out of the ground and come down from the earth sort of simultaneously. And it was a giant oak tree. And I knew exactly what it meant. I'm telling you that God wants to raise you up. God wants to put His power on you in such a way that you become a mighty oak tree that when people see you, they say, gosh, there must be a God. How could that person become like that? How could they have joy in the midst of whatever they suffered? My goodness, what a mighty oak tree. Let me snatch one of those leaves and get some joy myself. No matter how cold it is or how dark it is, you're filled with joy. This is a powerful, powerful text. But the main thing the Spirit of God wants to focus on today in this morning, afternoon now service is dealing or overcoming despair. The text speaks of the issue of despair. Look at it with me. Isaiah 61, verse 3. Oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that's the New King James, despair is what the NIV says. King James also says heaviness. 
heaviness. Spirit of heaviness. A spirit of heaviness. I don't know if you've ever experienced a spirit of heaviness. See, sometimes we just like to say, well, I'm just feeling depressed. Or I'm just feeling in despair. Or I'm discouraged. Or I feel heavy hearted. But we usually don't think about it as a spirit. You say, is it a spirit? It certainly can be. I'll say that. Everybody say, it can be. There's a number of ways that that it can manifest. And before we get into that, I'm, I'm convinced that one of the strategies of the enemy is to get you to lose your joy. One of the tactics of darkness is to get you over into despair, to get you into depression, to get you into such a heaviness that you can't see the forest from the trees and you just don't even know where you are. I mean, you just get so punch drunk, you don't even know, you don't know where you're at. Don't raise your hand if you've ever been there, but I will tell you flat out, I have been there. And I never go there anymore. And it doesn't come upon my life ever. To stay, that is. There are moments of battles where despair tries to set in. And as I said, I'm convinced that it's a tactic of the enemy to rob us of our joy. The Hebrew words for joy mean to shine, to be bright. Or to dance around. (laughs) You know somebody's happy when they're dancing. And I'm not trying to talk about, you know, that kind of lust-filled thing. I'm talking about a a, a dance in the Lord. They start jumping and leaping and praising God. It's a mark, joy is a mark of having fellowship with God. Psalm 116. Psalm, pardon me, Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. It was amazing for me, a personal revelation, when I realized that actually pleasure, which many people think is sin. Now, sin has pleasure for a season, but in the end, it reaps its reward of death. Death is not a real good reward. It's a bad one. God is the one who invented pleasure. So who invented pleasure? God did. Who invented joy? God also invented joy. So when you look at the epicenter of where pleasure was created, it's actually the throne. See, the problem in in the world, the problem in Christianity, even probably especially in the Western church, is they never really learned to to drink from the river, never really learn to experience his joy, never really tap in to the the joy of heaven, never really tap into that which is available for every saint, for every person who's repented of their sin, believed on Jesus, and been born again, there's joy for you. And so they try to get it through the wow factor of Hollywood, try to get it through drugs, try to get it through some kind of chemical thing or some sort of, uh, you know, skydiving craziness. And I'm, I'm, I, would, I haven't skydived yet, but I'm sure I'm going to do it. But my joy, one day, my joy comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from stuff. It doesn't come from, you know, from adrenaline squirts. Joy is a mark of having fellowship with God. My mother said to me long ago, I get to quote my mom and she's here now all the time. It's awesome. Joy is the flag that flies from the heart that has Jesus enthroned there. 
So when Jesus is enthroned in your life, you will have joy. We have been accused at times of being um, just too happy here. I did. I had, I had somebody say to me, you know, this church's great, teaching's pretty good, and worship's all right. I just, it's just too happy for me. <laughs> what? It's what? It's just, you know, it's just, why, what's the deal? Why, why is everybody so happy? Why is there so much joy? Because we were headed to hell and we got saved. That's a good news. I was uh, bound and now I'm free. I was poor, but now I'm blessed. I was uh, broken and disgusted, but now, come on, I'm the head and not the tail. Um, good news. Good news means joy. Well, let's just not be too happy about that. <laughs> it really is it's perceived as joy as being irreverent. That joy is being irreverent. Can I tell you what irreverence is? Just because it's quiet. And you can hear somebody opening a candy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Growing up, we were in a denominational church. I was a little boy. And my brother's sitting next to me. My dad right there. And if you had to open a candy, for the love of God, you better do it quiet. You know what I mean? If you're like... <laughs> but it's just like a special gift to open a candy in that environment so nobody turned around. Now, silence can be reverence, but you know what reverence really is? Reverence is allowing for the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. You know, you can, the Holy Spirit could come upon people and touch them and fill them with joy. There could be people running around the room, and you could have your arms folded and not enter into that, and that's actually being irreverent. Well, praise God. Our response to God should be one of joy. And let me read to you some scripture here. Psalm 35 and verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Lord, be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak thy righteousness and thy praise all the day long. Psalm 65 verse 13 talks of creation and how creation actually has joy. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Psalm 132 verse 9, let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. Let thy saints shout for joy. Can somebody shout in here? Hallelujah. Listen, you don't have to be voted in to be a saint. You're a saint immediately when you receive Jesus. God's covenant people were filled with joy. Look at D, right in your notes. Isaiah 35, 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy, everlasting joy on their heads. Amen. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The ransomed of the Lord. Come on, you're the ransomed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, Psalm 132, verse 8, again, talks about that. Psalm 16, verse 11, that in your presence there's fullness of joy. Jesus wants us to have joy. Come on, say, Jesus wants me to have joy. Hebrews 12, 2. This is amazing to me. Would you put this up? Hebrews 12, 2. 
Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy, who for the what? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Let's stop right there. Who for the joy set before him. Do you know what joy was for Jesus? It helped him endure. You see, when Jesus was being crucified, when shame was being placed upon him, it says here, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That means Jesus looked out and said, man, when I'm done with this, I get mankind redeemed. The first Adam came and brought sin and death, but I am sucking up every curse. I am receiving the sin, the sin of mankind. And I could see into what was going to be produced. What was going to be produced was people free, the ransomed of the Lord. And he said, "Woo! bring it. Go ahead. Hit the nail again. You know, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But he could see what was going to happen and it helped him endure. You need joy to endure this world. Joy. Come on, somebody say, Lord's got joy for me. John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy, my joy. You know, God has joy. No, just think about this. It's Jesus, John 15. It's in red. If you have a Red letter edition. My, that my joy, my joy. God has joy. Do you know God's in a good mood? <laughs> He's not all angry trying to put depression on you to teach you humility. That's some religious lie that people swallow. He's not put disease on you. He's not put discouragement on you. Addiction, affliction, not from God. Bondage, not from God. Fear, anger, wrath. Come on, God released all of that on His Son so that you could be free, so that you could be healed. Come on, Isaiah 61 is talking just about that. Kind of amazing. That my joy may be in you. So not only does God have joy, but He wants you to have it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, He's talking about you. He wants you to have joy. Come on, say it. That your joy may be full. God not only wants you to have His joy, He wants you to have joy that's full. That means complete. That means to the brim. He talks about joy and answer to prayer. In John 16, verse 24, Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I will never forget, we had the, the 425th, that was a part of our church, uh, Colonel Goen, uh, uh, Morris Goins. He was a part of our church with his wife a number of years ago, and they deployed. I'll never forget, it was a big man, honorable man. I'll never forget laying hands on him. He was standing right about here. He grabbed me by my lapels the last Sunday they were going to deploy in the next couple of days. And he said, pray for me. Tears running down his face. I don't want to make any mistakes. Pray for me. I thought, holy cow. Thousands of people in his charge. Pray for me. Man, we prayed. And I'm going to tell you, when he did that to me, something happened. I would wake up in the night. And we, and we, had, we were always praying for them. Lord, touch them, protect them, give them strategies. I remember I woke up in the middle of the night. And I went to my computer. I couldn't sleep. And I'm praying in tongues. And I get a Skype phone call at 2 in the morning. 
It was right after God spoke to me for him, giving me a strategy out of the book of Joshua. He gave me a text out of Joshua. And, and the phone rings, and it's the colonel from Afghanistan. I think that's where they were. And he says, what are you answering the phone for right now? I said, man, I'm up praying for you. He says, I knew it. I said, man, I got a word. He says, bring it. I need one. And I just stood up like I was standing in a church or something, grabbed my Bible, and turned that thing loose. God gave me a word for him. I prophesied to him out of the book of Joshua. He said, that's all I need, sir. God bless you. Got to go. Click. Phone call over. Okay, now after they came back, he, would, he was weeping. When he came back, he was crying, I was crying, and all we did was worship and have joy. You know why? Because God answered prayer. Some of you don't know the joy that comes from answered prayer because you don't have a prayer life. Some of you don't know the joy of contending and praying and believing and standing in the gap. When you do that, God will then answer. There's a joy that comes from being a person of prayer that you'll never have unless you have a prayer life. That's a whole message in itself. He, he said to me, I can't tell you everything that God did. But oh, when that time when I called you. Oh, pastor. I said, hallelujah. He said, I'll tell you this one situation. He said, we had a helicopter and it was a, it was a transport, a, a huge helicopter transporting men. And it landed on uh, bombs, unbeknownst to them. Everybody got off, everybody got on. And it took off, and they then discovered that it landed on, it landed on some bombs that just didn't get off, go off. And through the strategy, the strategy of the word of the Lord, all I did was give him scripture. And the scripture was he was like Joshua standing before, standing before the, the captain of the host, and that God was going to give him strategy, and all he needed to do was pull the shoes off, go after God, and God to show him. And he said, man, God showed me, and I can't tell you the rest. I said, hallelujah, and we wept with joy. Come on, joy, the joy of the Lord. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you joy. You come and you talk to me. You ask and I'm going to give it to you. And when I give it to you, you're going to be filled with joy. It's God's will for you not to be depressed, but to walk in joy. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody give me a J. Give me an O. Give me a Y. What's it spell? Joy. What's it spell? Do you know depressed people can't shout? If you're depressed, you can't lift your voice. If you've got a spirit of heaviness, you cannot go, ah! You can't do that. Some of you need to shout right now. Go ahead. Come on, lift your voice. Come on. Break out of that prison. Break out of that prison. You don't have to be depressed. You can shout your way out of prison. Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Ah! Praise God. All right. Sit down. Be quiet. Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just messing with you. But it's true. Depressed people can't shout, and shouting people cannot stay depressed. Do you know there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a section of Scripture that says that the shout of the king is among them. You know what that meant? That meant when the, the, the enemies of God, they would hear the shout that came forth from Israel when the king was among them. In other words, when they had the ark, and God was with them, there would come this shout. It's an ear-splitting, earth-shaking shout. And when the shout came, the enemy would just be like, oh, we're wrecked. We're ruined. They've got God. God's with them. We might as well go home. 
You know, what's interesting is you'll find in Eli's day, Hophni and Phinehas sinking to bring the ark of God into battle with the Philistines thought that God was with them, but he had actually abandoned them. And they shouted the shout of God, but God wasn't with them and they got their tails kicked. See, there's a religious shout. There's a religious shout that's got zero power. Let's look at this. Joy is fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. We're in F. See, why would, why would the enemy want to rob us of joy? Well, it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit, and if he can rob you of joy, he robs you of your identity. Listen, it is God's will for you to have joy. Not happiness. Happiness comes from happenings. So if you get the raise, you're happy. No, no, no. You have joy no matter what circumstances. In all things, it's God's will for you to give praise and, and, and be joy-filled. No one should be more joy-filled than a, than a Christian. It's true. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. Nehemiah said, go, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is a holy day to the Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Years ago, living in Hana, again, my mama used to say that all the time. Still does. Joy of the Lord is your strength. I was going through such difficulty, struggling with depression. I was 20, you know, five, six years old. My life is seemingly was a waste. And I'm thinking, man, I got nothing to be happy about. And, and my mother would always say, the joy of the Lord is your strength, son. Joy of the Lord's your strength. And then this pastor would tell me that. It seemed like everybody was saying, the joy of the Lord's your strength. And I remember getting really angry. He said, the joy of the Lord's your strength. And I'm like, what is the joy of the Lord? Really? I mean, oh, the joy of the Lord's your strength. The joy of the Lord's your strength. What kind of a Christian nonsense is that? But I understand it now. I didn't understand it then. I understand it now. See, I, I know this. I know that no matter what I face, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what kind of difficulty, obstacle, no matter what kind of roadblock, I know that God's with me. I know that He lives on the inside of me. I know that He's got a plan for me and a hope and a future for me. I know that He's got a purpose for my life. I know that He has rebuked the devourer. I know that I'm the head and not the tail. I know that greater is He that's within me than He that's in the world. I know that nothing's impossible to them that believe. I know that God before me. Who can be against me? I know that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So there's not one thing I can't got to get upset about. What's to be depressed about? The devil's nervous. In fact, he's terrified. Come on, the kingdom of God is at hand. Come on, sickness and sighing and disease. I'm God's favorite one. So are you. What do you got to get depressed about? <laughs> I think I've preached myself happy right there. Praise God. All right, how despair works. This is going to be a revelation for many. How despair works. The first thing is it can be generational. You say, what do you mean generational? If you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, it explains that Verse 9, it says, You shall not bow down to them talking of idols, 
nor serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. Listen, you know what that means? It's not like your jealous boyfriend or your jealous girlfriend. A jealous God is very different than that. See, God so loves you, he'll kill anything that gets in the way of the relationship with you. <laughs> he's like, oh, so that's what's happening. Yeah, you got to let that thing go because he's going to kill it. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I, I have a sort of a, at times, sort of a psychotic existence. And I'm a pastor. I am also a father. And if anybody ever messes with my kids, you'll find me being very unpastoral. <laughs> Why is that? Because I'm jealous over them. They will fulfill God's call and destiny, and they have to choose that. Meanwhile, anything that tries to jump on the fence, I will kill. Do you understand that? That's called love. Say, no, 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 we just need to be nice to everybody. What are you kidding me? If somebody breaks into your house to steal your stuff, are you telling me you're just going to let them take everything? Run off with your wife and your children and everything? Give me a break. That's not love. That's stupidity. All right, where are we? <laughs> For I am the Lord, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and mothers, by the way. Fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandment. There is a great man of God. His name is Derek Prince. Some of you might know who that is. He's uh, great. And in fact, he was the spiritual father of Ivan Tate. Do you know Ivan Tate? I, I just discovered that about a year ago. Ivan Tate was discipled by Derek Prince. So you're like, oh, it all makes sense now. Derek Prince has written many books. He's in glory now. He's graduated. He, he's done with his internship, and he's in heaven. But while he was in the earth, he struggled for a period of time with some depression, with some despair, with some heaviness. And he was in prayer, and the Lord spoke to him and said, it's your father. It's not you. It's come from your father. His father was a dignified Englishman, very proper. But during the course of a year, there'd be about two days where he would shut himself in a room and close the door and not come out. And it wasn't about prayer. He was so depressed, he couldn't even see anybody. And when the Lord spoke to him and said, it came from your father, he realized it was generational iniquity, generational sin. What are you saying, Pastor Daniel? I'm saying that you might think you can get away with your own moral failure and do whatever you want to, but it will come down upon the next generation. You are not living your life just for your own life. It's for the life of those that are come behind you. And yes, it will affect your life also, but it'll affect the generations to come. You say, Pastor, you're freaking me out. I'm good. Let me freak you out a little further. If you were to have a pregnant, uh, oh, you're pregnant. Here, I think I did this last time. Would you help me? This is Chanel. She's going to have a baby. And I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. All right, it's a boy. But let's pretend for the, just for the illustration, it's a girl. All right? Okay, you would never take this precious woman of God and put her in front of an x-ray machine and x-ray her, be her belly. Why would you need to do that? Anybody? Anybody know why you would never do that? It's called radiation. You wouldn't want, it, you wouldn't want her to get radiation. Radiation's not good, right? Okay, so would the baby get radiation also? Yes. yes. Let's, let's say then the baby's a female. And how many of you know that, that females have a certain number of eggs? Yeah. All right, I don't want to get into too much biology. But they have a certain number of eggs. So not only would Chanel get the x-ray, the baby, let's say it's, it's a boy. Congratulations. Mazel tov. Let's say, let's say, the, let's say the, it's a girl. The girl has a certain number of eggs, so not only would she get ex the radiation, her baby would get radiation, and her baby's babies would get radiation. Thank you. That's a picture of iniquity. 
That's a picture of generational sin. It's like a bent arrow. It doesn't mean you're going to do that thing, but you'll have a bent towards it, a, 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 a propensity for it. Wow. I think it's like I see it light bulbs going off. You're like, oh, stop, I better stop that. Yeah, you should probably stop that. Yeah. Depression and heaviness, despair, they're all synonymous for today in this message, can come because of generational iniquity. What do you mean? I mean, your mom, if you think back, maybe she had a depression problem and you're struggling with the same thing and you can't quite put your finger on why. And now you're realizing, oh my gosh, my dad. Yeah, it's not just depression. How about anger? How about lust? <laughs> How about anything? Blessings can be passed on, so can curses and stuff like that. But Jesus breaks it all. Can you say that? But you don't receive the grace of God in vain. You appropriate it. I know some of the generational iniquities in my family. I stay far from I don't go to pubs. I don't drink. Why? Well, I'm half Irish. Duh. How many of you know? Okay, you don't know that? I got Irish, you have a tendency to drink. Right? I don't drink anything. There's a lot of reasons I don't, but that's one of them. Hello? All right, so depression can come like that. It can come through a, a demon attaching itself through foolish pride. Pride can, can get you over into depression. What are you talking about? Well, there was a, a preacher, pastor, he got a phone call, one of his congregations in the mental hospital with depression. And so he went to visit her, and in visiting her, began to talk to her and find out some of the, what we call, entry points. You see, when you have a bondage, when you're bound in a particular area, you need to look for what, what, what is the entry point and begin to close those. Sometimes it's unforgiveness or trauma, so on and so forth. So in the, con in the conversation with this woman, she, he discovered that, uh, that some of the entry points, and through prayer, in Jesus' name, they closed those. She got healing, broke depression off her, and she came right out. She came, popped right out. I mean, just like, boom, normal. was released the following day. About six months later, he, would, he, had, he was just getting a little cocky, you know, filled with pride. He was talking to one of his friends about the authority. Oh, yeah, I got authority over, over depression and demon spirits. I just, you know, they just got to go. When I tell them to go, they go. And he was just kind of bragging like that. And how many of you know it's, it's, it's appropriated power? Jesus has made you an ambassador, and you stand from the place. It's like this. Devil, I know that you know that Jesus died to defeat you, and I'm here to enforce it. you got to go now. That's different than saying, I command you, leave. Yeah, you can't command nothing without Jesus. Just telling you. Don't even try. And so he got over into some pride, and he ended up in the same mental hospital with the same depression. His friend, when he got news of it, came, visited him, he repented, he prayed for him, and he got set free. Depression or despair can come through personal trauma. Personal trauma. This passage talks about broken hearts. There may have been situations that you grew up in where you were rejected or abused. And from time to time, the enemy will bring remembrance of what you went through. I've found that there's cycles of captivity. Man, you know, you know what I love? Can I tell you? I'm just going to pause for a second. I love what I'm seeing right here. I see the Word of God going into most people. Most people are hearing what I'm saying right now. That's not always the case. Hallelujah. 
What was I saying? There may have been situations where you were rejected or you went through something when you were a kid. And I, I've, seen, I've seen in my own life, there was a traumatic event that took place right around the holidays uh, in our home. And it put such a wound in me that during every holiday season, I couldn't hardly, couldn't hardly stand to go through the holidays. I mean, it's kind of like I loved them and I also hated them. There was sort of something that just came on me that was sad. And, and even now, there's, there, even now, occasionally, tries to crop up because it was such a trauma that took place in our home right at that time. It was such loss, such brokenheartedness. And so when I came to Christ, I mean, it was like, you know, Christmas is awesome! And then it would be like this sadness and this heaviness thing. And I heard a message uh, similar along these lines anyway, and I realized, oh my gosh, that's what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is. And I answered an altar call. I knew exactly what it was. I want to be healed of this memory right now. And I had hands laid on me. You know what happened? I was healed. And there are occasions where, where I get some reminders, but the sting is gone. Some of you have been through some horrible things. I mean, you've been through some unspeakable things in your home. Some unspeakable things in, and maybe school, rejection, or your ex-wife, or your ex-husband, or things that happened when you were a kid, where you were taken Maybe, maybe where your father came home, he's an alcoholic, he'd have to hide in the closet because he's just going to beat the fool out of everybody in the house, especially in the holidays. I found cycles of bondage people have. And it's kind of like they get to that certain time of year. I'm talking about Christmas and it's the holiday season now. But it could be any time, during an anniversary, during your birthday. During, during, my birthday for the longest time was hard because I had something happen right at my birthday that just cut me. So what do you what do you, what do you do? Listen, some of you, if you realize you start entering into a heaviness at a certain time of year, I'm going to tell you something. God, the Holy Spirit, is going to show you what that is. You ask Him to give you revelation, He'll heal you. You pray and ask God, heal me. I don't want this anymore. And you appropriate, you declare healing in Jesus' name. Somebody's getting something today. Look at D. Fourthly, D. Heaviness or depression can come through grief. I know what it is to grieve. I know some have been through tremendous grief, way more than me. We've lost a child. That was difficult. At some point, you're going to lose somebody. Why? Because death is part of the cycle of life, ladies and gentlemen. There's birth and there's death. And when you go through great loss, and it can not just be death, it can be separation. You can lose relationships. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what's worse. It might be worse if they're still alive, but you don't ever get to talk to them. Death is settling. I mean, you know it's over. Not sure. But grief, you know, you have to learn how to deal with grief. I had a lady in our church that lost her husband in a, in a very violent way. It was years before, and she, she couldn't get free from grief. She was just so depressed because of the grief, ongoing grief. So she called, and she came in for pastoral counseling. We counseled her in grief therapy. Let me just tell you about that for a moment. Grief therapy is very simple. All you do is allow for that person to begin to talk about what it was like. For instance, so where were you when you got the phone call about your husband dying? I was at home, and I was baking bread, and you allow for them to talk. What did you feel? I was afraid. 
I was angry at God. And they begin to process stuff. And so we helped her all the way through all of this whole grief process. I'm telling you what happened. She went home. She called the next day and said, Pastor, Pastor, I can see the grass is green. I can hear the birds are singing. I am free. Why? Because grief put depression on her. Listen, some of you are going through grief for years. You need to stop. What do you mean? Grief is, you need to go through it. And it comes in waves. And it's healthy. But I prefer, I've decided for me and my family, I've adopted and I teach this. Have a Hebraic understanding of grief. Grieve as much as you want. Wail, mourn, let it all out. You can stay at home, whatever. Continue to come to church, of course. Read the Bible. Try to have some fellowship. But I mean, for a year, go through the grief. After a year, put it off. Because after a year, it can become demonic. And I've heard, I've heard counselors say, no, two years. Well, I'm not doing two years. I'm not doing two. I'm doing, I'll, I'll do one. I'll allow myself to grieve for a year. And after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go. I'm going to shift. I'm going to take the stick shift of life. I'm going to stick it in third, then fourth, fifth gear, put my foot back on the floor, and going to fulfill the purpose for why I'm in the earth. I'm not going to get stuffed in some hole because someone died. I'm not trying to belittle it. I'm just saying, look, if you were supposed to be dead and grieving, you know, lost and underground, then you would be. But you're not. You're here. And you've gone through things, and you need to let that out and process it. And I think after a year, it's good to put it off. And depression can come through that. It can come through physical problems. Are you all there? E, physical problems. Lack of sleep. I'm an eight-hour guy. I'm not a six- or a four-hour guy. I'm, I like eight. When I get eight hours, I am doing well. Seven, eight, six, five hours of sleep. No thanks. Doesn't work for me. Maybe it works for you, but if I get not enough sleep, I start feeling heavy. I start feeling slow. And, and the enemy can use that in my life to start having even a low-grade depression. And then I have to realize, like, I think yesterday, yesterday I was exhausted. I was supposed to, you know, finish, do the study, do all this stuff, and I stopped off at my mother's house, and I was just like, dude, it's time for a nap. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I lied down and shook the house, snoring apparently. Anyway, praise God. Woke up, delivered. Some of you need to get delivered because you don't sleep enough. You don't take care of yourself. You don't eat right. We first moved here, vitamin D. They said, oh, you got to have vitamin D and you have sad lights. Got to get these lights. You're from Hawaii. You got to get vitamin D. You gotta, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I obviously not baptized in the Holy Ghost or something. You need the spirit. I got the fire. Don't need any of that. So about three years go by, and I'm just feeling like, duh. I'm just feeling like, Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm in the hot shower talking to Jesus. Lord, what's the deal? I'm thinking, Lord, do I have any sin? Have I missed? Have I, did I disobey you, God? Oh, Jesus. And the Lord speaks to me clear as a bell. He says, you have a vitamin D deficiency, son. So does your whole family. You need to get some vitamin D. I'm telling you, God spoke to me. And I thought, what? Maybe they're right. So Pastor Karen went down to the store. Went to the health food store, got some liquid sunshine. We took that stuff, and I felt like I got the fire again. I was just like, woo! Anybody know what I'm talking about? So about three days later, I'm just like, bring it! Come on! Yeah! I just felt like saved. 
and baptized again. Some of you are like, oh, maybe I should get some vitamin D. Yeah. And others of you got lots of vitamin D, but you have no fire. You say, maybe you should get some fire. Yeah. It can come through anxiety. Listen, don't let fear grip you. Don't let anxiety get you. If you yield to it, it can grow and get bigger, deeper, wider, and end up producing heaviness and depression. Say, what do I do if I struggle with anxiety? Smite the thing with the Word of God. What do you mean? I mean, don't yield to that. Don't cave in. Come to church. Get some prayer. Confess yourself. Get get some scriptures and start waging warfare. Don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. You end up with agoraphobia living inside your house, you know, just wondering, all paranoid, looking behind the curtains and stuff. That's a demon spirit. I'm convinced it is. You need to learn to rise up. You say, well, they've got proven chemical imbalances. I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. It's still the core of it is a spiritual problem. And you begin to take authority and learn to fight against fear and build yourself up and learn to come against your emotions that want to lie to you. Very good. Look at G. We're almost done. Hang in there. Depression, heaviness, despair can come through being reminded of your past failure. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have like this list. It's a mile long of all the stuff I failed at. Anybody else? Don't, don't raise your hand. A uh, whole list. I mean, it's just like the enemy used to come to me and be like, oh, dude, who do you think you are? This and that and this and that. You're a loser. And they just try to get me over. Yeah, you're right. I'm just a loser. I started finding out actually what God says about me. I'm not my past. I'm not my past. Listen, some of you need to settle it here and now, today. You need to settle it that you're a new creation. You are born again. The old man is dead. Your past, put it under the blood. Some of you should go outside and dig a hole and put a tombstone and put the date on the date that you got saved. Just put the date you got saved, and anytime the devil wants to come to remind you of your past, you just walk him out to your backyard and go, that's all buried right here, buddy. So you can remind you of your future. Lake of fire is where you go. One angel with one chain, buddy. You get, get out of my face. Come on, don't let your past get you over into depression. I don't think on my past, unless it's a great testimony or something. I don't think ever. I don't ever let my failures come back and run them through. Oh, well, if I'd only... Stop, 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 stop. Now, today is the day of salvation. Now faith is. Faith, look, right now. It's the first day of the rest of your life. Shake yourself. You're not your past. Start over. It's a new day. A new day. Do over. Come on, somebody say amen. Almost done. You ready? All right. Insights on how to walk free. Pastor Alex, would you come? Insights on how to walk free. Well, the first thing is call on the Lord. Learn to call on Him. Call on the name of the Lord, Joel 2.32. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Learn to pray. Learn to cry out to Him. Lord, set me free. Lord, set me free. Jesus, set me free. Ask for wisdom. Come on, somebody say, ask for wisdom. James 1, 5 writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God who gives it to you liberally. There's wisdom. Nutrition. Something from your path. Lord, show me what's going on. 
It's a great way. It's a great thing to allow the Holy Spirit, God, show me. What's the deal? Why am I bothered? What is bothering me? You know, we've said it in our own home, and I'm, I'm trying to teach you over these years. The peace of God needs to rule your heart. So when you lost your peace, something's wrong. Correct it immediately. Change it. I had a situation just recently. Logically, it made sense, and the Lord said no. But it made really sense, good for the church, good decisions. It all pans out. It all works. And I mean, it's all penciling. And the Lord says, no. So I just keep moving towards, I mean, in my heart, it's a low-grade no. So I keep moving towards the thing that, that seemed the best. And the no got stronger and stronger. And finally, when it got right down to it, it's one of those, like, amazing deals, amazing thing. I just had to go, well, no, we can't do that. And they're like, what? Yeah, no, we can't do that. Why? I got no peace about it. The second I did it, it's like, woo! Thank you, Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, that, that pressure, the trust. Come on, the, the, the profit you'll get. The, what a great deal. And it's just twists you. But if you have no peace, it's not God. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Ask God for wisdom. Get your hopes up. Everybody say, get your hopes up. <laughs> Ephesians 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Corey Ten Boom said that there are no hopeless situations, only people that have grown hopeless. And if you're finding yourself in heaviness and despair today, shake yourself and begin to focus on God. Begin to call on God. Begin to get your hopes up. He's going to bring you through, man. Sir, my brothers and sisters, God's going to bring you through. He didn't teach you how to swim to let you drown. He didn't bring you this far to abandon you. He's carved you in the palm of his hand. He's got you. Come on, somebody say, God's got me. But the wind and the waves, what am I going to do? Just chill. Jesus is in your boat. You don't have to worry about it. Be the first submarine. God's going to work all things for good. Psalm 87, verse 7. Both the singers and the players on instruments say, All my springs are in you. See, one of the reasons people lose hope, get discouraged, and have depression is their springs are not in God. It says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2 and verse 13, My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. One of the reasons people lose hope is they're trying in their own strength to get something done. Or they've laid hold of some promise that they feel like God's given them, but actually it's their own lust or their own greed. And they're trying to move forward and God asking God to bless their work of their hands when God's not authored it. I'm going to tell you that God is not obligated to finish anything you start. Oh, He will finish that which He authors. But if he didn't author it, he's not going to finish it. And sometimes we stand in the place of just wondering where he's going to come through when God didn't give you, it wasn't God's idea to begin with. 
For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, talking of Jesus, really, and the power of the Holy Spirit in New Testament application, and hewn for themselves cisterns. I was just in Israel and in, in, and in Jerusalem. There is no springs there. All the water is brought in. All the springs are outside the walls of Jerusalem. And they have these pools, the pools of Siloam and so on and so forth. They're all from water that's been brought in. And in wealthy homes, in fact, I think we, we saw Caiaphas' house. They, they believe they've discovered that. They would have these cisterns. And they're these huge holding, you know, hewn rock holding cells for water. And if you didn't have water, well, you didn't have life. You had, water was like the most important thing, desert all around them. And so what this is saying is it's saying they've hewn cisterns for themselves. For themselves they've hewn them. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, many people are depressed. Many people are, are, are all messed up in their life because they've not learned to have all of their springs in Him. He's the author. He's the one that satisfies. Outside of Him, there's no satisfaction. I don't care what, how pretty it is. You can dress up a pig as much as you want. It still looks like a pig. It's still bacon. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what kind of niceties you try to put on it. All of your springs need to be in God. In the book of Isaiah, and I'm, I'm close. Here's my third close, I think. It says, therefore, with joy, you shall draw forth water out of wells of salvation. I'm so convinced that people are drinking from the wrong well, from stagnant, poisoned cisterns that they've hewn themselves. And instead of running to God in the midst of their depression, their anxiety, their difficulty, their grief, they run to the old crutch, run to the fridge maybe, run, run to drugs maybe, run to relationship maybe, run to money maybe, bust out the card and try to spend them their way out of their depression or their heaviness. That is a cistern that you have created, ma'am, sir, and you need to just put it aside. And you need to run to God, need to run to Him. And... Stay in a place until he shows up. How about get on your knees and pray until the power of God comes? Most people don't ever do that. And listen, God really is real. I double dog dare you to put him to the test. You get in your place, of the quiet place of your own home, and get on your knees, shut the door behind you, get yourself a bottle of water, and pray until God comes. Try that. Try praying and interceding and crying out to him or weeping or talking to him until heaven opens and he comes down upon you. Depression cannot stay in the presence presence of God. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. He'll bring you through. He'll bring you over. He'll bring you up and he'll bring you down into the place of the valley that's filled with joy and grapes so big. Oh my goodness. He will bless you and help you. But if you're constantly trying to drink out of your own cistern, well, you're never, you, you know, it's not going to work. Praise you. Express your praise to God. Psalm 149, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. High praises, tehillah in the Hebrew. It's a braggadocious, crazy, lift your voice, run around the building, shout and scream until you fall out kind of praise. That's not just 
Thank you, Jesus. That's not, that's, not the, that's not what that's saying. The high praises of God. Watch this. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth, two-edged sword in their hand, to execute vengeance on the nations, punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Saints, New Testament is hagios. It's holy ones. You've been made holy by the blood. Everyone here is a saint. Ephesians talks about that. Saints. You're a saint. You don't have to be voted in. So what honor is he as all the saints? He has given you a weapon of praise, a weapon of worship that when you lift your voice, it absolutely will bust the devil, knock him down. He'll be falling down and he'll be crying for help. I'm going to tell you, it gives you power to break strongholds, power to, when you, come on, stand up on your feet. It gives you power to overcome. Worship team, come on. Gives you power to overcome darkness, depression, heaviness. Garment of joy for a spirit of heaviness. Oil of joy for mourning. Almost done for all you note-takers. Be in church. Everybody say, be in church. Yeah, because when you come to church, you can hear a message like this. It'll help you. Come to church, there's a corporate anointing. I love being out at the mountains and being out there. God's there too. He's everywhere. But there's no substitute for this. There's no substitute for the gathering of God's people together. There's no substitute. You can run after goats and, and moose and do all that's wonderful. Amen. I'll run with you. Let's go cap one and put some dinner in the fridge. Amen. Praise the Lord. But that's not this. That's not a corporate anointing. That's not being in the gathering and in the presence of God. You can feel His presence out there. It's just different. Be in church. Everybody say, be in church. And lastly, stay full of the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands all across this place. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. Oh, Come on, pray in the Spirit. Just ask God to talk to you. I got joy, joy, joy. I got joy, joy, joy. I got joy, joy, joy. Down in my soul, in my soul, I got, I got joy, joy, joy. I got joy. Depression, go right now. I got joy, joy, joy. In my soul, in my soul, yes, I got joy 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 i got joy 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 sing with us in my soul lift your voice and sing i got joy 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 i got joy 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 come on sing it again sing it struggling with depression come to the front quickly come to the front quickly you're struggling with heaviness or depression you want to get rid of it quickly come to the front I got joy Three, two, one. lift your voice 
I got joy. Come on now, thrust your hands into the heavens. Holy Spirit, right now. Jesus. Come on, make room. Joy, joy, joy. Release your power right now. Lift your voice, sing it. Sing it to
On the count of three, I want you to shout the victory, shout hallelujah, shout whatever you want to for as long as you can. Why? Because it is indeed what is called the shout of the king, and it will break you free. Some of you have been listening, and, and now it's time for you to respond. It's time for, look, some of you struggling with depression, you will leave this building with the same depression you came in unless you apply what I just taught you. You got to break out. Come on, you got to break out. Are you ready? Are you ready? On the count of three, shout hallelujah and just keep shouting. You ready? One, two, three. together for God. Come on, put your hands together for him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not right with God. Don't leave this place without being reconciled to him. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time or make a recommitment to him. If that's you, you know you need to be made right. Do it now, won't you? You say, that's me, Pastor. Good. I'm going to pray this prayer. You want heaven to be your home. There's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. You're forgiven because you receive and because you repent. Because you repent and receive the finished work of what Jesus did for you. It's free, but you've got to reach out and receive it. If that's you, you want to get right with God first time or make a recommitment all across this place, lift your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I see that hand. All the way in the back. All right. Awesome. See that hand. Thank you for your honesty on this side. God bless you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. The Lord says that I've actually rescued you. The Lord says I've rescued you, my daughter. There are some things that happened that didn't really make any sense. 
and you were left in the wake of tremendous collateral damage. The Lord says, my daughter, I've rescued you. I've brought you to this place, and it indeed is a new hour. And even as Bartimaeus put away his, when he came to Jesus, he put down his beggar's garment. He put it down. The Lord, I see, asking you just to let that go and to receive this new thing. D, come here. And receive this new garment of praise. You have a voice. You can sing. There is music that's running through your veins, even, even uh, in your family. There is, a, there is a, a joy and exuberant dance that's even about you. The enemy came and tried to rob you, steal you, even, even of your very life. But I've intervened and I've spared you and I've brought you even to this place to receive even this word of the Lord today. And that generational stuff is broken. It's all new. It's a brand new day, says the Lord. And I see you writing music. I see you writing I see you singing. I see you writing. And I see a, a great change uh, for you regarding work. There's going to come a shift. You've been crying out. It's been some frustration there. And the Lord says, I'm shifting some things. I'm changing it. I've heard your cry, and I've come and answered to it. I've delivered you, and I'm delivering all those connected to you. Also, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, just pray for it. All right, pray with me right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender all across this place? Holy Spirit, I pray for those that are grieving, Lord, that you would help them right now, that you'd comfort them, giving even the oil of joy for mourning. I pray for those that are hurting and confused, the comfort of heaven upon them right now. And I thank you that sighing and depression and heaviness have no home here. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance to them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Don't miss tonight. Revival continues 6 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.